moments. Nkulonkulon ngwele siyabonga namhlanje ngokusihlanganisa ngalendlela. we have nothing to bring ngaphandle kwenhliziyo zethu uNkulonkulon ngwele. We are weighed on your scale and we are ever found wanting. All that sustains us is your mercy and your grace. Ngaphandle komusa wakho uNkulonkulon ngwele. We have nothing Everything about us and everything we shall ever be, it will be because of your future. When we stand one day before you, it will be because of your mercy toward us. So, we invite you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word that sharpens us and it builds our faith. And it directs us in the ways of Elohim. And we thank you, Father, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, Bazalwan. Welcome to you. Uh, Mamji and myself greet you in the name of Jesus. I believe that your faith is strong. Amen. I believe that you are you're spending time uh, in the presence of the Lord, and uh, we are just trusting God, all of us, after this whole thing, we will come out strong. Amen. Namitlanje, I want to, the spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a very powerful topic in Christianity. Uh, it's one of those uh, topics that every Christian must know. And when it's covered, it must be covered properly. So it is important that we, we, we have an understanding of what that means. Because as you call, you will realize that um, you will from time to time come up and come against stuff that you did not invite into your life. And it is expected that you push back against these things that come. We, we have been set up to fail in life. That's just how it is. We, we, we have been set up to fail. It is an irritation the fact that you still you are still alive, just the fact that you are still alive, you and I are still alive. That is an irritation. It is an irritation this morning. And you are trying to build your life. You are trying to make a life out of everything that happens to you. It is an offense. In the, in the spirit realm, that you even imagine and visualize a future that is better than what you are going through right now. It's an offense. So the next thing that they would want to do is to prevent you from experiencing the life that God preordained for you to have. They will try and, 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 and prevent you from, from, from walking into, walking through the doors that God had always prepared for you to walk in. Uh, 
That's where Lindetogtaga comes from. That's where witchcraft comes from. Because witchcraft is an attempt by the enemy to stop you from experiencing your preordained uh, destiny. Uh, they, they will want to do everything, whatever it costs, for them to keep you from walking with God and enjoying life the way the Father wants you. So that is why spiritual warfare is important. That is why every believer must be engaged and must understand what is meant by spiritual warfare. When we were born, Minanawe, when we were in our mother's womb, we were already in the back foot. Already. The whole system is designed by the enemy, fail, that we are never successful. We, you may taste little um, pockets of success here and there, but you will never be successful as success is defined in the kingdom. You may have certain uh, uh, money over there, and money comes, but you will find that in the realm of your soul, there will always be something that is lacking there. So we, when we were in, in our mother's wombs, we were already, it's like we were pre-programmed to fail. Sizalwa emdenini, that are spiritually paralyzed. That's where it even begins. totally paralyzed in the spirit. When, when you were three years old, the first swear word you might have heard was in, in, in the corridors of your own home. We, 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 we are born emdenini that are often religious, but uh, spiritually illiterate. And uh, spiritual illiteracy, Bazalwan, it will cost you, it will cost me in life. Uh, spiritual illiteracy has delayed our deliverance. Not only our deliverance, but the deliverance of many other people. Uh, life will punish us because of spiritual illiteracy. So we were born in, in, in families like those. So already in our formative uh, stages, as we were little kids, the environment spiritually does not allow for you to, to move in God. It, there is no inheritance there is no spiritual heritage that you can cling to and begin to build your life that were mentored and schooled by demonic spirits you and i so they how we do life how we problem solve in life we we were born in 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 families like those that are indebted to demons uh, so we spend the rest of our lives trying to pay that spiritual loan. And uh, often it becomes very hard to settle the debt. There is always a spiritual loan that must be paid. Often our children must, must pay it because if my father, Mubabawami, fails to deal with his demons, those demons are passed on to me. That particular Goliath knocks him off his feet. It jumps over him, over him and it comes for me. So you find that our children and our grandchildren uh, will still be paying for the spiritual loan that we owe. It's either because of what our forefathers did or because of something that happened. 
but already we are on the back foot. Now, the spiritual loan can be paid. Sometimes there's a childlessness in the family because if we fail to settle that which the, the demonic want, something is going to happen. They, they, they want to take something. They want something out of your life because there are certain things that remain unpaid spiritually. So you find that there's ch childlessness you'll find that there, there will be homosexuality even in the family. There's a broken marriage. Uh, there's poverty. Uh, there is lack. There is loss of wealth in the family. When you try to, to figure out how these things happened, there is no real answer except to think that and to know, if you know the things of the Spirit, you would know that there is a window that's opened in the demonic and they are coming through that. And they also try to make you pay by setting up what they call a spiritual uh, a boundaries of success. In other words, if you come from a certain family, Uzo Pumelela up to a certain point, they put a ceiling for you. They put a ceiling for me. That as long as you are from this particular household that owes us, much your level of success will be determined by them so you find that you you thought that you were doing well and suddenly you hit a threshold in the spirit something inexplicable in the natural and uh, somebody was was coming up nicely in the family and and somewhere somehow they just get stuck you know because they they that's what they said so we are born bazalwani with our spiritual wings already clipped and the world shouts at us it says fly 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 high fly like an eagle we live on earth like fish yet the world will judge us on our ability to fly so all these things begin to come uh, because we are we are set up we are set up to fail. We are set up to fail. You and I, we, we, we are born spiritually broken. Uh, we are born into a broken world. A world that specializes in, in breaking people. That's who we are. That becomes our culture. Our culture is that of, of break or be broken. Expect to be broken or break something that's 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 what we were born into because we live in a fallen world now this happens until jesus comes jesus comes and it becomes it becomes our rescuer what we you and i call our savior and he takes us out of that and he teaches us to renew our minds and we begin a process of salvation now whereby we begin to align our lives with kingdom, with kingdom values, with kingdom principles, as we begin a new chapter, so to speak, in our lives as redeemed people. So you and I, Gebazwane, we, we were born into a, a, a world like that, and it will take people like yourself. It will take a generation of saints, a spiritual breed, to break out of this. It will take people who pray extraordinary prayers 
to break out of this. Now, irrespective of your age, you can belong to a new uh, breed, a new generation of spiritual people who are able to break out of these things. Now, I want you in your Bibles to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. Uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse number 12. Amen. I'm looking at you to see if you are going there. <laughs> Gospel of Matthew 11, uh, verse number 12. The Bible says, And from the days of John, I hope you're looking at it, the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, it says, suffers violence. And the violent, it says, take it by force. Let me repeat that scripture. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There are three things in that scripture that I want us to look at, which are important to us as God's people because they are given to us for us to be, to be able to handle warfare in a particular way. One of the statement, uh, statements made there is, you, uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. So you and I have an enemy, have a violent enemy. Let me repeat that, Bazona, because this will help you to pray in a particular way. It says the kingdom, the kingdom, umbuso, wezulu, suffers violence. In other words, you have a violent enemy, a violent enemy. You and I have a brutal enemy, ruthless enemy, a cruel enemy, savage, cold-blooded enemy. That's what that scripture says. And it's not it's not put there just for us to, just to read it. They are trying to open our eyes. That particular verse opens our eyes to what we have to grapple with on a daily basis. So it says the kingdom suffers assault. So if you are in the kingdom, you are not immune because a kingdom has a king and people, the domain so if, if the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers assault, that means if you are in the kingdom, you will suffer assault. The kingdom of God is always under harassment and attack. So if you are in the kingdom of God, you will be harassed and you will be under attack. Another line there, which I, I love, it says, and the violent and the violent. Now, let's look at that because it then begins to make sense in terms of why we need to pray in a particular way uh, sometimes. The word violent there, it's the word militant. It's the word militant. It's, 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 it means it's combative. There is a word belligerent, bellicose. It's militant. So these are people who pray serious prayers. These are people who pray serious prayers. You see, Bazzone, there are different uh, levels of prayer. Uh, there, there, there is a prayer that is therapeutic, and there is nothing wrong with that. It's a prayer that gives you therapy. 
uh, it's like it's like venting it's an outlet you know when you've had a bad day you 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 went to work and they just they just you just were horrible or your boss was horrible or something just happened on the day and you and you go or in your closet and you pray and you cry and you weep and now there's nothing wrong with that because who else can you cry to because the bible says cast your cares upon him because he is your father he cares cast your burdens so that's there's nothing wrong with that but that's a therapeutic prayer there's another level of prayer that is meant to manage your day it's a prayer that um, just manages your day basically there we we thank god for waking up in that prayer uh, we we bless our food we say grace we pray for traveling messes uh, we pray that we might have a good day we pray for protection so it's a prayer that is meant to to manage our day there's another prayer a prayer that is meant to manage my my future in a short medium term basis so it's a prayer that is uh, it's, it's 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 provision we pray for provision we pray for we pray for promotion you know and there is nothing wrong with that because Matthew 7 verse 7 says ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be opened to you but there is another level of prayer there is a prayer that changes the cause of your destiny there is a prayer that puts you in your future it puts not only you it puts your children it puts their children on a different path in life it sets you on a different trajectory in life it's a prayer that that produces unexplainable inexplicable favor it's a prayer that vetoes your background it doesn't care about your financial status about your educational uh, background it's 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 a level of prayer when you pray that prayer it opens portals and windows it unstops wells that were filled with sand generations past it's a different level of prayer now we call this type of prayer bazalwane warfare it's warfare you will never experience you and i will never experience the fullness of god in our lives unless you decide to be a warrior unless you decide to be a fighter the the uh, the fullness of god's kingdom in this life is experienced by people who chose to grab their shield and grab their sword and go to war passive christianity will cost you an eye passive praying lexadaisical praying non-committal praying which is casual praying will cost you much another line in that particular scripture which we read it says they take it by force the violent take it by force i want us to focus on take it by force take it by force that statement means to plunder what does plunder mean plunder means to take by force and so you will remember that in the in the gospel of matthew 
chapter 6, verse 10, what we, you and I call the Lord's Prayer. The Bible says, he, he taught them this prayer, he said, Pray this way, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the it, when it says take it by force, it's the kingdom. It's everything that is meant to appear in the earth realm. The Bible says as it appears on earth, in heaven, let it appear on earth. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. So whatever God has preordained, whatever is in the heart of the Father for you and I must appear on earth. So that is taken by force. Nothing just happens, Bazalwan. So you take it by force because you make no deals with Satan. We, make, we, we don't negotiate these things because once, according to Scripture, it becomes clear that these things are in the will of God. We are not praying amiss. We are not praying according to our lust, but we are praying according to the will of God. So it is expected of you and I to take it by force. So to take something by force, it means we're now going to have to pray beyond the level of therapy, beyond the level of just managing the day, beyond the level of just management of, 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 of our goals in life. This kind of prayer, uh, when you pray as a warrior in warfare, you carry with you your children, you carry in you, in your loins, their children, you carry in you even their children. Imagine if your prayer life could impact generations to come. Imagine if you could pray a prayer that would impact on what happens after you are gone. That can't be a therapeutic prayer. That cannot be achieved by just a prayer that is meant to manage my day. That cannot be achieved by a prayer that's just there to manage my goals. That prayer is a different level of prayer. It's a prayer that, do you know that, Bazawani, you can restore destinies on your knees. You can, you can change the future of people who are not even born yet Amen. on your knees. Mm. That level of prayer is scarce. That level of prayer is not common, is not found, because it calls for a particular type of altar, which I am going to address today. Because today I need to talk to you about the first principle in, in spiritual warfare, which is normally not spoken about. So if you are praying and you are, you are praying this kind of prayer, you are taking it by force you are able to ask heaven for a clean slate for your family, for your children. The, the, the script, Esnasola, it's messed up. It's messed up for many reasons. But as a warrior, as a prayer warrior in the spirit, on your knees through warfare, you are able to reach out to heaven and ask for a new lease on life, not only on your own behalf, but also on behalf of your children, on behalf of their children. Imagine that some of you listening to me, you're not even married yet. You don't even have kids of your own yet, but you can pray a prayer that will change the cause and path 
of those who are in your loins, who are still coming into the future. Such is the power of spiritual warfare. So how do we define uh, spiritual warfare, Bazalwan? How do we define spiritual warfare? Abatabaningi, uh, different ministers and different preachers, 10 different preachers will give you 10 different definitions of, uh, of spiritual warfare. I, I'm not the type that goes and, and look up definitions. I just uh, go with what resonates with my spirit and uh, the, the spine of it, of course, has to be common to whatever definition is out there. But spiritual warfare family is, is basically taking by force. We take by force what was given by consent and by weakness. Let me re repeat that statement to you. We will define it differently sometimes. There's a lot of ways you can, you can, you can define it. But for the purposes of this particular uh, uh, service, I'm saying spiritual warfare is taking by force that which was given by consent and by weakness. Uh, because nothing just happens. If something is going to change, someone must begin to engage the spirit realm and begin to take by force that which was given by consent on a particular altar with blood flowing. It was given by often things that we experience today. They are the result of stuff that you and I didn't even choose. And so because we are now here, we can never blame the past. We, you and I are now here. We were born for such a time as this to change the cause of what happens beyond us. If my father failed to take care of his devils, now it has come to me. Mine is to confront them and make sure that they don't go past to my boys. My boys must never have to deal with the devils I dealt with. That is why you and I must arise. So spiritual warfare family is militant praying. Militant praying. Militant praying by implication uh, suggests that there are weapons involved. Uh, it is not passive praying. Because after this, Barcelona, I want you to, to have a different understanding, a different passion for prayer. Spiritual warfare is transgenerational. Its impact is transgenerational. You will pray a prayer that will impact and affect your great-grandchildren. Imagine if you'd approach prayer on a daily basis, knowing that you are carrying in your loins the future. So when you pray, you don't just pray the, into the present, but when you pray, you pray into the future. You prophesy into the future. Do you know that your future daughter-in-law, who was, according to the system, the, 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 the world system, the spirit realm, the, the kingdom of darkness, was not supposed to conceive. She is not even there yet. Your boy is not even married yet. But do you know that your impact in the realm of the spirit, as you begin to pray, you are speaking to your loins, you are speaking to your seed, you are speaking to your womb, and you begin to change the, the trajectory, the path of those who would come after you. Imagine if you were to approach prayer knowing this in Jesus' name. Now, 
the number one rule in spiritual warfare we must discuss. There is a role in spiritual warfare. Now, we get this from the life of the eagle. I'm going to tell you a, a certain story which I, I know most of you were, have heard before. A lesson from the eagle. Now, you must understand that Ukozi, uh, it's a bird that takes by force. It's a bird, it's called the raptor. It's called the raptor. Because it takes by force, so does the hawk. So those two birds, they take by force. So it makes sense then that we would use Ukozi uh, to, to, to illustrate what really happens in the realm of the spirit. This story you will have had, uh, maybe 95% of you, you would have had this. But what I know is that what you were told may, it's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. Because when the story is told, the, the moral of the story there becomes, you got to know, take your, take your fight into the spirit realm. Take your fight into the spirit realm. But prayer is in the spirit realm already. See, there are things when they are said, they sound very, it's like motivational speakers. You get excited for 10 minutes, but when you step out, you, you've already forgotten what got you excited in the first place. So there are things which are said, but when you have to apply them, because remember, Bazalwan, the word revelation that you receive must be applicable. Its applicability must be tested. Any revelation is assessed on its ability to, to, to produce results, on its ability to yield something. So when someone stands on the platform and they say something that is exciting, so you must always gauge it against the fact that ask yourself a question, can I go home and apply this truth? Can I go home and teach somebody to apply this truth? So when, when we are told this, uh, you remember the story. It is, it is based on the terrain. You need to take the fight to a different terrain. Now for those of you who may not have heard the story before, this story is about an amazing strategy of an eagle. How the eagle would fight a snake. Now I'm not talking about a, well, the small snakes, that a, an eagle, if it's a huge eagle, it can handle. Now, it doesn't have to use this strategy in small snakes, but they are huge snakes. With huge snakes, now the eagle employs this particular strategy, which becomes important to you and I as spiritual warriors and as people who are engaged in warfare. I'm going to pull you with me to be people of warfare. I'm going to pull you to be people who begin to pray serious prayers, dangerous prayers, prayers that attract the attention of principalities and powers, prayers that are, put, are going to put a, a, a spotlight on you. Now, if the spotlight is put on you in the spirit, it will say something about your life, how you're going to conduct your life. Now, let me talk to you about this particular strategy. Amen. In Jesus' name. 
when we get cut, we are going to move on to the next slot. Mamji will give us a, a, a hint there. Now, who calls Bazalwane understands Uguti, they cannot, it cannot fight uh, the snake in, in the snake's backyard. In its intelligence, it gets there. It cannot fight the snake in the snake's terrain, in the snake's territory. So what the eagle does, according to this powerful story, which many people who uh, specialize in spiritual warfare have told, and many others, what is the snake to the very high altitude in the air? Now, in that altitude family, the snake has got no chance whatsoever. It's a different atmosphere there. It's an unfamiliar atmosphere for the snake, but it's a familiar territory for the eagle. Now, in that atmosphere, the snake becomes powerless. It, become, it becomes weak. It has no stamina there. It has no balance. It has no power. It is a different realm. It is a realm that it cannot manipulate. It cannot exploit. It cannot control. It's been drawn out of its comfort zone to a realm that is beyond its ability to control. So once it's up there, once the snake has been taken to the highest altitude in the air, now what the snake, uh, what the eagle will do, it will then let go of the snake from that high altitude. It could be hundreds of meters in the air. And the oxygen content is different. It's a territory that it's an unwinnable battle for whatever suffers. It gets paralyzed. It gets disoriented. It is, it is, it is just disoriented. That's when it is weakened. Now the, the eagle comes and it begins to, to, to finish it. So, Bazalwan, of course, takes place in the spirit realm. But within the spirit realm, there is a place that we shift it where the enemy is seriously weakened. The, we, take, we, take, we take our problems into the spirit realm. Of course, it's in the spirit realm. Prayer is in the spirit realm. But within the spirit realm, there is a realm that the enemy cannot access. There is a place where the enemy is weakened. Every war must be fought in the right atmosphere. Every war must be fought in the right climate for it to be won. The eagle understands this, so we also must understand it. In Jesus' name. Uh, what I want you to know, Bazwanuguti, the enemy, Isita, has his preferred terrain or climate where he wants battles to be fought. Always remember that. He has his preferred terrain. He has his preferred atmosphere. He has his preferred, uh, preferred climate where he wants uh, you to fight him. Imagine that. He wishes you would fight him in a particular atmosphere. 
He wishes even, see, as much as you are praying, as much as you are using the word, as much as you are doing all the stuff that we, you, you and I know that you must do and employ in order to engage in prayer. But he knows that if you were to do that in a particular atmosphere or climate, your prayer is meaningless. You're, you, you are done already, even before you begin. So let me discuss with you, Bazarone, what we, what we call loopholes, loopholes in warfare. Loopholes in warfare, because you'll find that you're praying for a long time, but it seems as if there is nothing that's happening because we are praying in a particular atmosphere and the enemy is all over that and he controls and manipulates and exploits everything we are trying to do. Now, the, the first loophole in spiritual warfare is when we fight in a contaminated contaminated spiritual atmosphere. Let me repeat that. Most people or a lot of people fight and they pray and they engage in warfare uh, in a contaminated uh, spiritual atmosphere. Let me then explain that, Bazalwan. You see, the condition of my heart, the condition of your heart, your character is the atmosphere or terrain in which warfare takes place. Let me repeat that. The condition of your heart, your character and my character, is the atmosphere or terrain or climate, if you will, in which spiritual warfare is conducted. Let me give you an example. You see, if I'm praying and my spirit, I have a spirit of dishonor. I am engaged in warfare and I am unloving. I am engaged in warfare, I am unforgiving, I am proud, I am arrogant, I am full of hatred, full of revenge, and uh, anything, I, I, I am busy doing stuff that the Holy Spirit does not approve of. Yet, on this side, I am praying. I am believing God for a breakthrough. I am believing God for a job. I am believing God for a promotion. I am believing God for this and that. Yet, my climate is contaminated. The atmosphere in which I am engaging in warfare is not conducive for me to win that particular battle. This is why, family, uh, back-to-sender prayers uh, are witchcraft prayers. Let me repeat that. That is why, I don't know what you, I don't know who taught you what. I'm just speaking to you from, from the Word of God. And I'm, I'm going I'm to help you to understand certain things in the Spirit. I'm saying to you, back-to-sender prayers uh, are witchcraft prayers. Because when you, when you do that, you are, full of, you are full of hatred and revenge in your heart. You, you, you want to retaliate. You must go into the scripture to find out what the Bible says about retaliation. And then once you understand that, you will then begin to understand the spirit behind uh, back to sender prayers. 
So basically, when you do all these things I've listed above, you are fighting the enemy in his territory. You are fighting the enemy in his own backyard. And if you fight the enemy in his own backyard, victory is not guaranteed. You are not going to win because he cannot be defeated in his own backyard. It can't happen. He cannot be defeated in his own backyard. What happens is the enemy, because the enemy is engaged in guerrilla warfare, uh, he hides. You see, you see all the unforgiveness and the hatred and the pride and the fornication and the adultery and everything that we do. When we do that, it's like we are planting bushes. Now he hides behind those bushes that I have planted and I refuse to uproot. So when we fight him, he hides behind those and hits you from behind those. This is why the eagle put, pulls the snake out of the bushes, out of the rocks, all the hiding places. He takes that sly snake, that deceptive snake, he takes him up in the air. There is no push there. The ground is leveled. Everything is clear. Now the snake cannot hide behind anything to get you. So he hides behind these things. You remember in the book of, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, or verse number, it's 22 to verse number 24 in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. There the Bible says, but I say to you that whoever is angry, remember the scripture, whoever is angry with his, we're not going to fight in our own terms. We fight in the spirit in his terms. We play this thing according to his rules. So that scripture says, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, it says. Then it continues to say, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, it says. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if, now listen to this, it says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift, it says. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Remember Jesus said, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. Now, this particular scripture is about giving. It is applicable to prayer. All it's saying is, before you engage in this, clear your terrain, clear your terrain. Take your fight to a place of holy first. Take your fight to a place of holy. I'm going to explain that to you because if we do not, this is the first principle in warfare. I know that you and I have gone to all the six to sixes and all these things, 
But I want you to know that this is the first principle in spiritual warfare. If you ignore this principle, everything that we do is in vain. Everything that we do, I can pray for eight hours flat. But if there are these bushes in the terrain and the enemy is hiding behind them, all that I'm doing, I'm just wasting my time because I am not going to win that particular battle. Remember, family, Uguti, e-warfare is about shifting or moving things. In warfare, we shift things and, and we move things. So the first rule in spiritual warfare is change scenery. Change scenery from carnal to holy. Change scenery. In the, on the holy mountain of God, the enemy has got no voice. He's weakened there. Do you remember in, um, in Psalm 15, in that beautiful psalm that uh, King David wrote, Psalm uh, 15 verses 1 to verse 5, the Bible says, Lord, he asks, says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. Listen carefully, family. Uh, when you read the Bible, try to read the Bible very slowly, especially when you're doing your, your, your devotion personally. Sometimes read it fast because of time. But when you read the Bible for edification, read it very slowly and read it over and over again. You'll find things. It says, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness, it says, and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil uh, to his neighbor, nor does take up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own head and does not change, he who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who, now listen to this, because warfare is about shifting things and moving things. It says, he who does these things shall never be moved. He who does all the things that I have listed, the scripture lists, shall not be moved. In which other arena can you be moved except in warfare? Who, who, would, who would move you from, from, from the location, from the spot that God has put you, other than the devil himself, through onslaught, through attack, through pressure? It's the enemy. So the Bible says, he who does these things, that one, shall not be moved. We have been praying, we are asking God to, to help us because the enemy has been moving us everywhere from a place of, of abundance to a place of lack, from a place of, of health to a place of sickness, from a place of, 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 of being employed to, to joblessness. We've been moved. We have been moved. The Bible says, he who does, not, who does these things shall not be moved. Now, how on earth have we missed 
these truths as we addressed spiritual warfare, as we conducted prayer meetings, how on earth have we skipped these amazing truths that the Bible clearly and freely gives to us? So this is a principle, family. It's a principle. The principle gives us this truth. My altar is as strong as the aroma of holiness coming out of it. My altar is as strong as the aroma coming out of it. You remember that every altar has an aroma. Do you remember that God, when the Israelites had put that sacrifice on the altar, the Bible would say it was like a, a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of Elohim, in the nostrils of the Creator, in the nostrils of the great I Am. So the altar is as strong as the aroma of holiness coming out of it. Now, if you don't grasp that truth, the altar, whatever altar that we, we, we have built is, is a weak altar and the enemy knows it. You and I might not know it. We, we may think that we have a quite a strong altar, but a strong altar also is assessed on its ability to produce and to yield results. So it's not the volume of my voice. It's not the sound of my voice, but it's the sound of holiness coming out of my altar. It's the, it's the volume of holiness, the decibels of holiness coming out of my altar. I can pray on a loudspeaker and pray for long hours. It's not even the duration of how, how much time I spend there. It is the smell. It is the aroma coming out of my altar that determines the power of my altar. So the strength of your altar family are the things that are listed in these verses. Now, let me share with you also these, these, these truths because if you are going to be praying, if you are going to be really be engaged in serious prayer and there is a desire in your heart to change things and to shift things. <clears throat> I know some of you, at this point in time, God wants to raise you as a prayer warrior, as, as a watchman on the wall. It's not going to be the number of scriptures that you know. Of course, when we pray, we pray according to scripture. We pray according to the word of God. But that alone, many people, they pray scripture. Many people, they, they, they speak in tongues as they, as they pray. Many people, they, they employ all the strategies they have learned uh, with regards to how to conduct warfare. But their climate is contaminated. Their climate, the atmosphere in which they are doing all that they do is contaminated. As such, the enemy does not recognize it. Amen. So you have been praying and I have been praying for certain things, but where are you fighting from? Where are you fighting from? Are you fighting from the Lord's heel? 
Are you fighting from the Lord's holy hill as King David gives it to us in Psalm uh, 15? Have you taken the fight, family, out of Satan's backyard? Have you taken the fight out of his territory? Have you taken the fight out of his comfort zone? Anyone in the past, I know that you have been exposed to a lot of preachers, so have I. But anyone who spoke to you about spiritual warfare and they did not say anything about holiness, as holiness being tied with warfare, they did you a disservice, whoever they are, whoever taught you about warfare, and they did not speak to you about holiness being a prerequisite for you to conquer in warfare, they did you a disservice, must go and ask for your money back, <laughs> so to speak. A preacher who does not uh, preach repentance does not want you to conquer in life. A preacher who does not preach repentance does not want you to conquer in life. Let me repeat that. A preacher who does not preach repent, repentance does not want you to conquer in life. Remember that the repentance is, is that moment when you're flying up into the air. Repentance is you flying up into the air, taking the battle out of the domain, out of the territory of the enemy. Repentance is you and I going to the Lord's holy hill. Every altar has an aroma. Every altar has a, a smell. What is, family, the aroma of your altar? We've been praying. We pray until we are sweaty. We pray until we lose our voices. But is it possible that we have been praying for our jobs? We've been praying for breakthroughs in every area. But we have been playing from the ground where there's dust. Where they, remember, there's a connection between the serpent and the dust according to Genesis. If you are praying from the dust, if you are praying from that level, you will not conquer him. Now, I am giving you God's truth this morning. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the message I am giving you this morning that if you and I are to prevail, if you and I are going to make anything out of this life. In the beginning, I said to you, when we were born, we were already born at a disadvantage. So you will have to do the right thing. You will have to do the right thing. If you want to go to Joburg, but you are using a map, a Cape Town, you will not get there. So all we are doing this morning, we know that all of us want to get to the same destination. We want to see uh, us possessing the land. We want our uh, uh, destinies restored. We want God to make manifest in our lives the things which are in his heart. But if we are going about that process using the wrong tools, using the wrong map to get there, we shall never get there. We may be diligent. We may be spending enough time, but if we are not using the right map, we shall not get there. 
There is a, a, a scripture, family, I want you to, to, to look into this morning. As we again ponder the question, where are you waging your battle from? Where are you waging your, 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 your fight from? Are you put out of carnality? Are you put away from that realm? Because if you fight in the realm of holiness, he's got nothing against you. Trust me now. Let's go to, in the Gospel of John, chapter number 14, uh, verse 29 to verse number 30. The Bible says, And now I have told you, Uchesu is speaking to his disciples. He says, And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, he tells them. For the ruler of this world is coming. Now listen to this next statement. Uh, very few ever talk about this next statement. For the ruler of this world is coming. Then he says, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Why did Jesus say that? When he talks about the ruler of this world, he talks about that uh, violent enemy. That vicious enemy, violent enemy, very violent, very savage enemy. He says he comes. But Jesus seems to be at peace. But he has nothing in me. In other words, there is nothing in me, in my soul, that belongs to him. So everything Jesus is going to do, every prayer, the Bible says you would go and pray for the whole night, spend the whole night on the mountain praying. Jesus was a man of prayer, but most people forget that he had said these words. Jesus said the enemy, whenever he shows up, there is nothing in Jesus that belongs to the enemy. When the enemy looks at Christ, there is nothing when he scans him. There is nothing in Jesus that belongs to the enemy. There was no unforgiveness in Jesus. There was no anger in Jesus. There was no sin in Jesus that would have jeopardized his chances of winning every battle. Every war he waged against the enemy was a guaranteed win. Why? Because the enemy had nothing in him. How many people in the prayer meetings we go to, we do all the things that we do. We, of course, as Kingdom Embassy House, we are going to have our own prayer meetings. But it is very smart to have a prayer meeting once you understand these things. Uh, how many people go to prayer meetings, yet the, the enemy is screaming inside of them? He looks at you and there's a lot of stuff in you that belongs to him. So basically, whatever that we are doing, it is already paralyzed. Repentance. You must get used to this because the Lord is restoring. If, if you want to know two things the Lord is restoring to 
Make ready the Lord's bride. The Lord is restoring repentance and the Lord is restoring holiness. Now, you will understand the context in which these things happen. Now you realize with Kanti, repentance is a weapon on its own. It's not just saying sorry. What is a weapon, family? A we in warfare, a weapon is not just the blood of Jesus, uh, the name of Jesus, and the word of God. In spiritual warfare, of course those are weapons. In warfare, anything that hurts the enemy is a weapon. Let me repeat that. Anything that hurts the enemy is a weapon. Does the enemy get hurt when someone repents? Yes. How? Because he has got no hiding place. Because when you repent, you are casting that which was in the dark. Remember, the enemy thrives in the dark. This is why confession and repentance are important. Confession is casting into light that which, which was lodged in the dark. As long as that thing is in the dark, the enemy re resides there. He is there. Confession is, is to cut. You are taking it from the place of darkness, from the hidden place. You are casting it into light. Everything cast into the light. Everything cast into the light. The enemy, why? Because he's not a creature of light. He's a creature of darkness. Why must a believer be diligent in casting things into light? Is to ensure that, the, because once that stuff is in there, it's like a, it's like a bed. The enemy comes and takes a rest in that thing. As long as it's in the dark, it grows. Whatever, whatever wrong is kept in the darkness, it grows in the darkness. In the dark, it just keeps on growing. Once it casts into the light, it shrinks. It shrinks and it, is, it just got no power whatsoever. It loses its influence over you. So... A person engaged in spiritual warfare understands these things. Do you know, family, that sometimes, you know, you are intentionally nice. You apologize for no reason. You know why? Because for you, if you are a warrior, it's beyond even this person. You are already thinking about warfare. You are already cutting bushes, cutting shrubs behind which demons would hide. You are already cutting things behind which the enemy would hide. It's not just about being, being, being sweet, being polite, and being cool. Being a great Christian walking, portraying the fruit of the Spirit. non-prophet who, who conducts services, and they live a life that is just careless, they do everything that they are not supposed They have got no idea what warfare is about. Now, they will gather you because people get excited. But if you have a revelation of what warfare is, you understand that the power of your altar lies in the power of the aroma 
coming out of your altar. Why would God pay attention to an altar whose uh, perfume, it's not even a perfume, it's a, it's a stench. It's a stench. It's repulsive in the, in, in the nostrils of the Father. Now, to think that that kind of altar can shift things and move things is a deception. To think that such an altar can, can move and can impact your generations can, can, be, can have a, a, a transgenerational effect and a transgenerational impact is deception. What we are saying this morning, family, you and I are going to be involved in much prayer. You and I are going to be involved in much intercession, praying in the spirit and calling things binding and loosing, making decrees, making uh, uh, proclamations in the spirit. But we are, we are going to have to do that. Those of you who will be part of us to do that, you will do that from the foundation of an altar that is holy. It e altar. Otmol shisa in tutia kona iezuluin and and in 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 the spirit realm as as in tutinuka. All the devils move. They make way. They make way from 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 the smoke and your prayer hits the spot in the heavens. Did you know Uguti? Ofezela, snakes and spiders. Ofezela ne nama spiders. Spider and and ofezela is a word that they use in scripture. Scorpions, scorpions, scorpions. Malfunda they 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 don't like a frankincense. They don't like incense to start with. Incense as in incense as you and I know it. So uma 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 vutesa incense they they move naturally speaking. Naturally speaking, they don't like those things. So they move. So in the wilderness, if you bent that, uh, you made way. You you chase them away physically speaking. Now in the in the spirit world. Uh, Serpents, scorpions, and, and all these things that the Bible gives us a symbolism here, so they are ref, representative of, of, of demonic uh, entities. Uh, it's symbols that are used to, to show us how we are supposed to deal with demonic entities. So when we burn incense through prayer, through worship, through intercession, through praise, that smoke becomes an offense to devils. Mm. But it must be a smoke and a smell that devils are not familiar with for them to move. If you are burning on that altar something, the smell of which the demonic principalities, uh, devils and principalities in the atmosphere are familiar with because in that smoke... There is anger coming out. There is unforgiveness coming out. There is fornication coming out. They, they, they can discern. They're not like you and I. They know these things. The, 
the aroma, the smoke that goes up must be declared by heaven as holy. Must be declared as holy. So, how do we ensure that the, the altar is holy? We walk with God in holiness. Move, Bazalwan, your fight. Move your fight from the zone, from the arena, uh, from the atmosphere and climate of carnality. It's not, it's, not, it's not fashionable. It's not, it's not like fashion or it, 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 the message that is trending. It is critical in the spirit without which nothing is going to shift. So even if you didn't think in terms of, of forgiveness and you know sometimes these messages are an irritation, it's because the enemy does not want you to, to shift things in the spirit. I know what you want to be a blessing to your family. You want to see breakthroughs in your family, in the lives of your children. You want to see things begin to happen in, 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 your, in your people. And you want to be a blessing when you pray. You want to ensure that you don't pray amiss. We've been praying for years, family. But we've been praying from what kind of, of climate? Let us ensure that we purify the climate in which we declare things. When you release that voice, that word into the atmosphere, the, let them recognize that it's, it's coming from a place of holiness. Mm -hmm. It's coming from Psalm 15, the holy hill of the Lord. I pray that this is a blessing to you. I pray that you, you, you grab this, that your spirit uh, lays hold of this truth because you and I are going to fight. You and I are going to fight transgenerational prayers. We are going to engage ourselves in transgenerational prayers. So if we, are going, if we have any intention of being influential in this life, of leaving a mark in this life, I want you to look at holiness from a different perspective. I want you to look at a life of repentance from a different point of view. I want you to look at prayer from a different point of view. It's not just declaring things into the atmosphere. Amen. Do you know that you can even pray with arrogance? Do you know that you can even have faith in your own prayer mm. other than having faith in God? Mm. You can have faith in the language of prayer. Because wherever we go, we are taught the language of the kingdom. When you pray concerning this, this is the, the template that you follow. Over a period of time, you become overconfident, not in him, but in the format, in the template, in the wording. You are given uh, uh, words written down. If you're praying for this breakthrough, you pray this way. How is your zone what is family your atmosphere what is the climate in which we have been praying all these things we are praying i declare over you today in jesus name revelation that you will begin to see like you've never seen before you'll be drawn to jesus christ and your relationship will be redefined prayer 
will mean something different to you from this point onwards. Walking in love, walking in holiness, walking in, uh, in purity will mean something. Let that judgment spirit and judgment attitude dishonor leave you this morning in Jesus name when people like myself speak to you even the very attitude with which you receive what I what I, I, I am preaching to you and teaching you that also becomes an element in your altar how you treat other people becomes a component a member in your altar your altar has members it has got stones it has got wood it has got sacrifice. All these are members collectively. All these things, they contribute to your altar being holy. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, I bless your people. I release the spirit of prayer upon them, yes, an appetite and a hunger upon all those watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, family. Bless you. Bless you, bless you in Jesus' name. We thank God for you. Amen.